on a show that talks about time traveling Bigfoot and alien sex cults. This is serious journalism, people. Serious. This time, this this like, time we mean it. If you think that there are not birds that are not <laughs> real, you're a moron. I do have a superstition that Satan and his minions yes. interrupt mm. technological yes. connections when conversations are getting yes. particularly interesting or, or important. At this point, I'm not throwing these weirdos out because maybe they're telling the truth. Why does everything have to be a hidden conspiracy where the <laughs> motives aren't really clear? Where you can't tell what someone's intentions are from their words. Why, Abby, why? I, I feel like you're just not answering the question. It, there is a pattern here that is definitive, and mm-hmm. this leads us to the CEO's response, yeah. which is not the way that you want to play being accused of in a conspiracy theory. Glowing metal things that are moving in impossible speeds and impossible directions, defying laws of physics, showing up over battlefields, showing up over important historical events for all of history. This is Chekhov's gun, you guys. It's the gun that's been sitting on the mantelpiece since Act 1. It's Act 3 now. I'm waiting for it to go off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conspiracy Pilled Season 3, Episode 19, Are Mermaids Real? I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me, as always, is Abby Libby. How are you doing, Abby? I'm good, PJ. What are we talking about tonight? Well, what 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 are we talking about tonight? This is your episode. No, this is, this is your week. This is going to be a short episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're talking about mermaids. We're talking about mermaids. Talking yeah, about merfolk, mermaid. the merfolk. Starbuck. Uh, sirens, Ariel, Ariel. Uh, I'm trying to think of every reference that I have to a every mermaid, mermaid re- reference. You know, yeah. My my candle already went out. I guess she's dead. I guess she's dead. She seems like she has a bunch left in her, but I guess not. So hold, please. <laughs> all right. Well, while you are lighting a new candle, I want to say a quick shout out to all the people who come over and support this show and make this uh, a reality, make this possible. Keep the lights on, so to speak. We have a bunch of people today. We have Country Girl 716, Cameron Belt, F Around and Find Out, who are all new monthly supporters over on conspiracypill.locals.com. We also have Lost Llama, who's a one-time three-month supporter. And we have Wims, Tyler Bar Scott, Swim Hook and Scooby Dubs 57, who are all yearly supporters. Aww, yeah. So you guys get a bonus episode every Thursday night. You get to catch it live. You can listen to it uh, audio only if that's the way you want to do it. It all works on the Locals app, which you can download on your iPhone or your Android phone or just go to conspiracypill.locals.com, support the show. So that's what I nice. got. We got a candle going. Abby remembered that it's her episode. We're talking about the <laughs> Starbuck and Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> is, that what we're, is, that, is that what's happening? Yeah. Okay. This is, this is just a Starbuck Aquaman uh, fan fiction romance uh, yes. episode. This yeah, is fiction what episode. this is. Yep. Yeah. This is definitely one of those, you know, when, when I let PJ just go off on his own and do an episode, he does alien <laughs> sex cults. This is one of those episodes, but we're doing. <laughs> we haven't done an alien sex cult episode in over a year. So now I'm starting to think that we have to explore another one <laughs> you know the Raelians the Raelians was just the tip of the alien sex cult iceberg <laughs> just the tip um all just right just for a second 
Um, okay, so first of all, I want to say that mermaid, mermaid lore, mermaid stories have been across cultures across the globe for all of history. Uh, and I want to just do a quick flyby of the different mermaid conceptions across a bunch of different places and times. So if we have we have Greece, we get sirens, and they tend to be more more bird-like, more defined by their dangerous songs that lure sailors to their deaths. So a couple images here. This is a Renaissance painting where they're, where they're a lot more human. They're, you know, gorgeous women with, with wings. But um, this seems to be more of the Renaissance version of the Greek conception. And the Greek conception seems to be much, much more bird-like. And I have a vase here with a siren on it. And that is not remotely what we would think of. <laughs> I know. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking harpies, right? Like the, the way that I've always pictured right. harpies anyway. So, But harpies are, are, are different, right. different things still in Greek myth. And I think a lot of similarities. But um, the, the sirens, the bird sirens, they're still bound to the ocean. They're still ocean spirits. Um, but they they're, are They're not weighted. just Greek myth. One of them raised my wife. <laughs> a harpy did. Yeah. All right. Well... I'm so glad we've gotten derailed so quickly. <laughs> it's look, I have to get at least one mother-in-law joke in every do, week. It's in my do. contract, actually. I think so. there's going to be a lot of opportunities for for Perfect. mother-in-law jokes in this episode. Awesome. Um, all right, so we can go over to West Africa and we get the mommy wata, which is exactly how mommy it water. sounds. Yeah, yeah mother yeah. of water. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's just Af- it's like Africans English, right? Mommy wata, you know, like. <laughs> It's it's just English if you are straining to hear it mm-hmm, <laughs> a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. Except it's West Africa, not South Africa, so I don't know um, how that well, worked yeah, out. Yeah, no, I, I, West Africa, like Liberia type West Africa. Yes, or? you know what? That's probably because Liberia's uh, first language is English. I well, believe, that's so. yeah, that's what the, the re, that's my Indiana. only reference is when I was there, yeah. they spoke English. But it was like it's it's a you tough strain dialect. to hear it. Yeah, yeah you're like yeah. I, I kind of get it. Like I kind of recognize the word. You get used to it after a few yeah. weeks. But like the first day, you're like, what, what? <laughs> like yeah, a lot. I I spent I spent a, a a few years in in Ivory Coast where the language was was French, and then I went mm-hmm. over to Ghana for a couple of weeks, and I was so excited because I was like, they speak English here. They don't. No, it's <laughs> it's, it's a different dialect. It's very hard to understand. But right. okay, so the Mamiwata is a is a um water spirit she's depicted oftentimes as a human completely human shape just with snakes but when she has her mermaid tail it is a snake tail i know we're gonna get into this reminds me of stuff that we've talked about before so mm, yes there's gonna anyway, be a lot of echoes I, I already know it's coming up so yeah, yeah. Go ahead. um but her her dealio is that she she draws you in with lust but once she has you, there are serious consequences to you if you're unfaithful to her. And this is something that, that pops up a lot across mermaid stories is this like weird juxtaposition between lust and um, and a demand that you are faithful to her. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Over to Russia, we get the Rusalki. 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 They used to be seen as positive beings associated with fertility and agriculture. But somewhere around the 1800s, the myth shifted. And now the conception is that they are the ghosts of drowned women who now lure men and children to their deaths. Gotcha. 
Yeah. So she just looks like the average TikTok. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, so true. All right, so we go over to Japan to the Nino. Okay. And the Nino. The Nino. Oh, because I thought Nino was Spanish for the Nino. <laughs> oh no, not this again. Um, yeah. So in Japan, they are seen as bad omens. You see one bad. She juju. looks like a carp. Bad juju. Yeah. If you see that, if you see them washed up on the beach, it's supposed to be a sign that something terrible is going to happen. Um, all that, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So over to Ireland, we get the marrow. Uh, she's she's very beautiful with long green hair. She's very fake creature looking. In this particular image, yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, and I think that the ones in the in Great Britain in particular tend to to feel a lot more fairy like but a lot of them and a lot of the stories feel very fairy like and there's a lot of similarities between how fairy lore works and kind of the rules of those stories and and the mermaid stories and we'll get into that but um the idea with the marrow is that they seek out relationships with human men because the marrow men are very brutal and very uh, a lot more animalistic than than the women a lot more fish like Mm, okay uh, in Scotland, we have the selkies, which are shapeshifters that go between seals and humans. So they're either all seal or all human. It's not like they have a seal tail or anything. But the stories involve them sometimes putting aside their seal skins for a while, marrying humans. But basically, all of those stories end tragically with them having to return to the sea for one reason or another. We brought up the Selkies, I don't remember when, but recently, and I was yeah. saying it sounds like the opposite, and I don't even know if it's the opposite, because you could. it just depends on like which direction you're going on this, of, of the fox pelt and the wolf pelt stuff. So a lot mm-hmm. of old um, werewolf lore is they would put on a wolf pelt and turn into a, a werewolf, or put on a yeah. fox pelt and turn it into a werefox or whatever, and in this, it's when she takes off the seal skin, she turns into a woman, which, if you reverse that, when she puts on the seal skin, she turns into a seal, so it's the same similar, same you know, idea. similar-ish yeah. idea. Yeah, hundred percent. That also then, that image also looks like it was ripped right off of like a romance novel cover. It really does. <laughs> Probably was. Um, and then lastly, we have the Melusine in Western Europe, and the uh, Melusine was it was the name of a particular mermaid in a particular story that we're going to talk about later. But then it became the name of, of all of them, all of the Melusines. Um, so this is a Western European conception, two-tailed. Um, does this does this look familiar to you? Yes, and that's why I was waiting to point this out because um, we've talked about this. And this, Well, go ahead. You say your thing, and then I'm going to point out something that we already passed. Oh, Okay. Well, because I, I don't was, think we're thinking the same thing. I just realized I was waiting for you to say Starbucks, but maybe I it's was about to say Starbucks, but I was actually going actually, actually <laughs> go going to go back to Mami Wata. But go let's back talk to about Mami Starbucks Wata. first. Yeah. Well, yeah. OK. If you don't mind. I don't mind. She's got her hands in the same position. She does. Right. But in yeah. this, she has a snake. And we've talked about this in the past where like the Starbucks, whatever the Mel you've seen, I always call mm-hmm. it the Starbucks, mm-hmm. um, is the same as Ophiuchus mm-hmm. in like uh in astrology and Ophiuchus is holding a snake in both hands and he's in the same position as the Melusine, but the Melusine is holding her own fishtails. So what I noticed instantly about Mami Wata is she's got the snake wrapped around her and she's got her hands like the Melusine mm-hmm. in this image. 
It's the same freaking astrological sign as it a fucus. It is a fucus. And actually, um, if you don't mind finding a picture of a fucus. I'm going to find a picture of a fucus so people understand. And we can understand. show it later. Because the other images of Mami Wata that I didn't pull um, had her carrying two snakes. Um, so she, it's the, the Melusine, Mami Wata, a lot of this is very much the Ophiuchus star sign. Um, Which and, Ophiuchus and is should... a serpent bearer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you want me to show that right now? Or? Yeah, go for it. Oh, crap. Google's acting up. Acting a fool. Acting a fool? This is Ophiuchus. Yes. And that's what I was noticing is like he's got the snake in the, the two arms the same way that the Starbuck does, except... The Mami Wata one is both. It's both mm-hmm. the the mermaid imagery, the holding the two parts of her tail, and the snake all in one image. I find that very yeah. Cultures that supposedly were not like sharing the same mythology have the exact same imagery for their yeah snake bearing mermaid lore. It's, yeah, it's just interesting. And for those who don't, I guess know what a fucus is as as much the 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 um. It's the thirteenth astrological sign. Yes, it's what people people a, argue yeah. whether or not they should change the 12 signs into 13 every couple of decades. This this actually right. popped up in the 1920s and then went away. And then I remember like when I was in high school, there was all the, you know, the, the new age chicks that I went to high school with. They were like, oh, my astrological sign just changed. I'm no longer a Pisces. I'm this because of Ophiuchus. And I was mm-hmm. like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and yeah. I read things online where it's, it's been a debate for a long time. Of, is it 12 or is it 13? Because he's because kind of, of he's kind of there's a path the sun takes through through the stars and and all the other zodiac signs it passes really the sun passes really obviously through those constellations and with Ophiuchus he's just kind of like dipping his toe down into the into the zodiac yes, water and that is um, this down here I believe is this part is like the yes. one that, the the toe that's being tipped into yeah. Into the zodiac, so yes, he's the. And he's there's the a lot of historical art that depicts an Ophiuchus-like character dipping his toe into a stream. Yes. Okay. Okay. This is a very visual episode for people who are listening. This is why episode. you should come and follow us on Rumble because there's uh, a lot of imagery. I didn't mean to sidetrack you, but like the no, Mami Wada thing, like kind of blew my mind because of uh, was it David Matheson who gave this yeah. whole speech that we listened to about this stuff. And just now I recognize it like a lot more. He said David Matheson's work on Ophiuchus in artwork is really, really good. If you want to go look it up, he he could do it a lot better than we can. But um, so the point here being that that across history, across cultures that allegedly weren't touching each other, we get the same stories um, from deep history. And my general rule with with these types of legends, the ones that pop up everywhere with no connection to each other, but it's all the same story. So whether it's flood myths everywhere, dragon myths everywhere, stuff like that. My general rule is if it's popping up like that, it's true in some way, shape or form. It's true. Right. It seems to me a little silly to dismiss it when it's that well established. Yeah. Yep. Because you can say, you can say it's a metaphor or it's just something that captured the imagination. But you have to explain how the same exact story with the same exact features is capturing the imagination of wildly different cultures. Well, David Matheson also pointed out, he's like, look, there. I mean, this should be obvious, but like 
there's not actually lines drawn between the stars. We like yes. used our imagination <laughs> to make the lines, to make shapes, to make meaning. And you'll find that every culture that is supposedly, again, like just like dragons, just like giants, just like all these flood myths, all these things that pop up everywhere, uh, zodiac signs or astrological signs are the same across cultures who supposedly never spoke to each other. So they'll have the, like, even if it's not called Ophiuchus, someone else will use the exact same stars and the exact same uh, pattern and connect the exact same stars together and they'll have a different story about it. Maybe it's Mami yes. Wata, maybe it's the uh, the Starbuck or whatever, but they're all the same exact stars connected in the same exact way. Yes. Yeah. So that's always interesting. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I think they're real and then I'm going to back that up as much as I can. Um but I before we get too deep, I want to just read a verse from Enoch. And then we'll get back and we'll talk about it more later. But I think that there's some context in Enoch that's going to help color a lot of what I'm going to show. So this is from Enoch 19. And to be clear, we don't believe Enoch is the Bible, but it is quoted enough in the Bible and echoed enough in the Bible to seem to be a, a, a historical account that's that's pretty good to pay attention to at, at the very least i think the bible makes the case in peter and jude and other places that it is a history that everybody kind of understood yes right so it was yes. like yes this is this is what where giants come from this is like this stuff is is just generally understood by those people so i i always call it biblically endorsed extra biblical text is kind of the rob yes. skiba phrase for it uh that's not the same as making the case that it belongs in the canon but i don't i take it pretty seriously because of that yeah so first Enoch, I should I, I shouldn't have Enoch. to point this out, but first Enoch because the later Enoch, at least the third one, I'm, I always forget about what the second one is. I don't think I've even read the second one. Or the I third haven't one. either. But the third one is very obviously a Gnostic text that came hundreds of years after Jesus. Yes. So like whenever we say Enoch, we're very specifically talking about first Enoch because the other ones are not written by the same people related. Right. They're they're Gnostic texts. Right. So if you don't know anything about what's written down in Enoch. It details a story about how a bunch of angels fall. They, they decide to come down, sleep with human women. They give, the human women give birth to these half-breeds that get really, really big. They're giants. There's all of this defiling of flesh on the earth, a lot of violence, um, and God deals with it. And God deals with it through uh, Uriel, his, like, um, and it's like Uriel, the, the archangel is kind of in this position where he's judging his brethren and, and casting out, uh, Azazel and Semyaza and, and the other angels who did all this. And as part of what Uriel's doing and, and, and he's talking to Enoch, um, we get to chapter 19 verse one and I have it right here, um, and Uriel said to me, here shall stand the angels who have connected themselves with women and their spirits, assuming many different forms are defiling mankind and shall lead them astray into sacrificing to demons as gods. Here shall they stand till the day of the great judgment in which they shall be judged till they are made an end of verse two. And the women also of the angels who went astray shall become sirens. Verse three, and I Enoch alone saw this vision, the ends of all things, and no man shall see as I have seen. We're going to come back to that. But the framing up front here is that the Enoch conception 
of sirens, of mermaids, is that they are the women the angels slept with. That for whatever reason, they were never allowed to to rest or move on. They weren't allowed to go to heaven or hell, the same as the, the spirits of their children. They weren't allowed to go up or down. They're just stuck here. This, this is why I wanted to call the episode Mermaids, the Ex-Wives of the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I didn't. <laughs> because it makes no sense. Uh, the angel's ex-wives. That's what they well, are. Yeah, but yeah. you'd have to. Un- yeah. Anyway. No, I'm just messing around. <laughs> I was never very serious about that one. I, know you I just thought you'd find it funny. It is. <laughs> well, it was the first five times. It was the first five times. <laughs> okay. However, but if so, I keep saying it, maybe you'll let me change it in post. <laughs> Sorry, God. Um, but I do have to tell you, there is an official narrative. There's an official government narrative about mermaids. Bet you didn't know that. The NOAA, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which is part of the U.S. Department of Commerce, issued this statement. The belief in mermaids may have arisen at the very dawn of our species. Magical female figures first appear in cave paintings in the late Paleolithic Stone Age. Yeah, I'm reading like the very last paragraph there. Some 30,000 years ago, when modern humans gained dominion over the land and presumably began to sail the seas, half-human creatures called chimeras also abound in mythology. In addition to mermaids, there were wise centaurs, wild satyrs, and frightful minotaurs, to name but a few. But are mermaids real? No evidence of aquatic humano- humanoids has ever been found. I find this so funny because I know some things that we're going to get into in this episode. Mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm. reading this going like, hey, Noah, what do you guys do? Oh, you know, we, we explore the ocean. We uh, try to map the bottom and, and look at fish. And we definitely mm-hmm. don't chase down mermaids definitely and not. follow stories they're of mermaids real. and co-op ships to search for mermaids because they're not real and it's like i never asked about mermaids I, yeah. it's like well we don't they don't they don't exist though they're not real there's no, like, evidence. no no one asked noah but okay <laughs> the lady doth protest too much it's so weird to see a government website be like by the way mermaids don't exist <laughs> it sounds a lot like nasa's line right there's yeah. no evidence there's no evidence of aliens Right, yeah. But but they're like keeping that door just a little tiny bit open so that they can change the narrative li- later if There's they no want evidence. to. Yeah. There's no evidence. That yeah. we're releasing at this time. <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay, so I just want to show you for no particular reason this cute, cute picture of manatees. Um, they're just so, they're just so cute. Just looking at the camera. Cuties. Um, Again, fat. you did tell me that there was plenty of... Cho- opportunities to make mother-in-law jokes so yeah, i'll just let this one I make did. itself i did so while you're looking at these i want to give you a word and a definition the okay. word is peredo peridolia it's peridolia yeah peridolia p-a-r-e-i-d-o-l-i-a peridolia and this is from uh, miriam webster online mm-hmm. the definition the tendency to perceive a specific, often meaningful image in a random or ambiguous visual pattern. So you, you're, you're, the tendency of the human mind to look at something that is completely random and see something there that is not there. Um, to, so to movie 23. The, the, yeah, with Jim Carrey where it's like he's just right. seeing 23 everywhere and making 
wild connections and it drives them sure, mad, sure. essentially. Yeah. yeah, there's that, or there's the idea of like finding images in the clouds. Um, finding Mary on a piece I mean, of toast. I was going to say Mary on a toast. piece of toast. <laughs> um, the Rorschach ink blot test. Yeah. Um, I never understood why every Rorschach test is about my parents fighting. <laughs> I thought that they were supposed to have like all kinds of images, but it's just, oh, no. it's just my parents fighting oh, every no. time. <laughs> it's weird. We could talk about this later, PJ, when we're not <laughs> live. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and along with this word pareidolia and, and what it means, there is this internet meme called Rule 34. And Rule oh 34 gosh. is, if it exists, there is porn of it. <laughs> I never expected Abby to bring up Rule 34 <laughs> on our show. Okay, But the point of this being that horny men will make a sexual <laughs> fantasy of literally anything. Right. So the Hey, hold on, hold on. Let's not let's not <laughs> horny men are not writing uh daddy dom gargoyle romance novels. So like we're just visual. <laughs> okay, but we're talking women about will men. write women will rule thirty five. <laughs> women will write any story about them having sex with any object, okay. including a door. Okay. Well, yes. Let's let's go back to men though. Because I <laughs> it's my episode. <laughs> Look up the book Unhinged. <laughs> Don't look up the book on <laughs> Oh, no. Okay. The point of Rule 34 being that it, horny men will make a sexual fantasy of anything. So the, right. the, the, the official narrative on mermaids is you take a bunch of sailors who already have poor vision because they don't have glasses back then. Um, they're under a lot of stress. Uh, maybe they have been out at, at sea for a couple months, haven't seen a woman in a while. Maybe they're drunk. They see a manatee and they roll 30 for it <laughs> and hallucinate it into a beautiful woman. <laughs> um, sure. Sure. It's, it's as good an explanation as a bad explanation can be, I guess. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, but so it's what, at least based in something. What you're saying is at least it's based in like an idea or concept right. that exists. Sure. Yeah. yeah, at least it's based in some sort of true concept. And I think that I will say after the idea of mermaids was very out there and popular, I'm sure there are men who thought they saw one who didn't. I'm not saying every single person who ever thought he saw a mermaid one time was definitely not seeing a manatee tail or something like that. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, okay, so the, the, the manatee idea seems to have originated with Christopher Columbus and in how Christopher Columbus reports on mermaids. So I am, I have a couple pages from his journal logs and the thing to remember about when men like this when men like Christopher Columbus or any of these explorers were were doing ship logs and journals mm -hmm. they were writing them to their queen <clears throat> like it right. wasn't just a personal journal that they could frivolously write whatever they wanted to in this was like an official report to their absolute authorities right yeah um it's like an there? after action report that you would submit up the chain of command type type of thing yes right 
Um, where did my page go? Okay, so I'm going to start in the middle of this page 191 of his. It's on the screen, but I don't think anybody can read it. You're not going to be able to read it. She's going to read it to you. Um, We're starting Wednesday, January 9th. He says, at midnight, they set sail with a southeasterly wind and steered to the E.N.E. In the evening, they arrived and anchored under the shelter of a cape 60 miles east of Monte Cristi. This he named Punta Roxa. Here were extensive shoals on which account they did not leave the place through the night. The land from Monte Cristi to the place where they anchored was high but level with beautiful fields. At a distant back appeared a chain of fine mountains running from east to west, covered with cultivation and presenting a most enchanting view. Streams of water were also in abundance all along the coast. There are great multitudes... On to the next page of turtles, of which the sailors took some at Monte Cristi as they came on shore to lay their eggs. They were as big as a buckler of the largest size. The the admiral relates that when on his visit to the Rio del Oro yesterday, he saw three mermaids standing high out of the water. They had faces something similar to those of human beings, but were not so handsome as was customary to represent them. He adds that he has formerly seen them in Guinea, upon the pepper coast and then we get this long footnote which you definitely can't read from the editor um and it says if i can (laughs) enhance 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 (laughs) these mermaids and the word used uh is serenas because this is in translation were perhaps, as the Spanish editor suggests, manatees, which Ovedo in his Natural History of the Indies thus describes, the manatee is a large sea animal exceeding the shark inside. I just want to point out here that the editor making this note has never seen a manatee. Correct. He is, he, this is all very, very old. He goes on to describe a manatee as it has been written by this person in this natural history. So he has no idea what he's talking about, but this is the origination of the idea that Columbus saw manatees. There's a lot of origination of a lot of ideas around Columbus written by people who were not there. (laughs) Yes. Uh, That's a whole political (laughs) subject. Michael Knowles loves to get into it every year, if you're curious. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like a, a lot of the things that we are told about Columbus that explain away Columbus were written by people who were thousands of miles away and hardly knew him. Yes. And I, I want to point out that this is a really intricate log. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he, they're like, we saw turtles. We saw this. We were in this specific location. This is what we named it. It's all very like boom, 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 boom. And then it's the Admiral saw three mermaids. This isn't the first time he's seen three mermaids. The thing we are noticing about these mermaids is that they are not as beautiful as the paintings we've seen of mermaids. But they have the face of humans. So a little more Ursula and a little less Ariel. A little bit. Yes. Okay. And this is taken to be, oh, they were ugly? Manatees. (laughs) 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 Had to have been. Yep. Every every ugly woman is a manatee. Is a manatee. Um, Yeah. If if you're slightly less pretty than your profile picture, manatee. Oh, yeah. You know, I I dated online a few times. I definitely thought I was meeting up with women and met manatees on at least and one met date. Manatees. Yeah. It, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. But no, I do. I think it's interesting that he, 
it's not the first time he's seen um, mermaids. It's just very casual. It's very casual. Look, I saw three here. Um, I have also seen them in Guinea in this specific location. Nobody is shocked by this. No one's like, oh my God, we saw man like we saw manatees. We saw mermaids. Nope. It's just like, yep, mermaids. Yep. Electric Biscuit says sea cow, and I'm telling you from experience, that's the quickest way to get your date to throw a drink in your face. <laughs> yeah, you, it's, uh, it's better to call her a manatee. She's better to call her take a manatee. little longer to Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. Um, we're gonna talk more about Columbus later, but okay. I just want to pull up another picture of a manatee just to like give you an idea of like how I mean it's basically the same picture. This is this is two of the same creature, right? In this image. Oh, 100%. You, see, you see two of the exact same thing. I mean, you could really easily get them confused, right? My favorite thing about Christopher Columbus is that there are so many mainstream explanations for why he didn't see all of the crazy stuff that he saw. Yeah. It's almost like he traveled to a land where people were still worshiping the old gods the the fallen angels yes and that there was a magical weird crap happening there was giants there was uh we talked about this on the um uh why can't think what it was the nazi ufo episode Mm -hmm. the 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 foo fighters yeah and in his journal he says a giant burning ball came up out of the sky and flew away and it sounds just like the glowing balls that we saw pictures taken of them and everything over Europe and over Japan during World War II. And instead, I was reading an explanation and the most accepted explanation. So like this one's not even as crazy as that. The most accepted explanation is that there's a type of worm that glows (laughs) at at night and that they came up to the surface and there was just like some glowy green worms on the surface. It's like that explains what he said was like a ball like the sun coming up out of the water and flying away. It was glow worms. It's for somebody... And I think that it's you can only come up with an explanation like that when all you do is read the one little line that Columbus said and then you're like desperately searching for a way to explain it away. But when you read in the context of his whole log, which is why I read you that whole day's entry as opposed to just one line. Or sorry, somebody said glowing algae. It might have been algae. Yeah, not worm. Still, algae. that's not a fireball coming out of it's the water. It's not. Go ahead. But like you recognize how detailed he is in his report, how scientific he is about this is what we saw. And then this is what we saw. Um, it's, it gets a lot harder to, to, to twist his words into something silly like that. Like, Oh, he must've just been stupid. But this is the same explanation we come up with, with everything that we talk about. And it's like, that can't exist. And it's like, why can't it exist? Because it can't. And therefore any other explanation has to fit. And it's like, but why, why, why can't why, it though? exist? And then nobody wants to answer that question. Why can't mermaids exist? Well, they just simply cannot. They just can't. They just can't, Peach. I just shut up about it already. <laughs> They're manatees. An octopus shouldn't be able to exist. Like, there's so many things that if we didn't know they existed, we would say that can't exist. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I'm pretty sure octopodes are aliens anyway. <laughs> octopodes. Is that the real word? Octop- no. I thought it was octopi. <laughs> no, that's a whole, like... What language of origin debate? Anyway, I, oh, okay. If I, when I say that to nerdy people, they're like, "Actually," and then you just Actually. go off into this long yeah. philological discussion. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about mermaids in myth and fairy tales throughout history. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to hit some highlights. There's a lot available, and the point is that there's a lot of truth that is written down in stories, especially the type of stories that cling around for. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. 
So first off, we have mermen gods. I'm just going to hit a couple of them. There are quite a few in history. Um, some are bigger than others, and some are just kind of, they have some amount of god blood or, or power. But I'm going to hit on two. The first one is Dagon, and we see Dagon in the Bible. So these are two different depictions of Dagon. Um, he still has that Anunnaki feel to him. He's like one generation off from the Anunnaki. Yeah, he's got the purse and the pine cone. Purse and the pine cone. He's he's um, got the whole fish situation going on, mm-hmm. um, and then and then the more Dagon conception. Because I think that this the one on the left is more Oannes, the the Oannes conception of of this guy, and then Dagon is the one on the right with the funny little hat. Funny little hat. Looks familiar. Where have we seen this before? Yeah, it's a papal hat. It's a papal. Yeah. yeah. It, if you look at any depiction of Dagon, some of them, some of the hats look even more like the papal hat. Actually, Oannes's hat here, the, the, the top, looks I was gonna even say, more. Oana, yeah, however you say his name, that looks a lot like the papal hat for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Dagon is in the Bible. So I'm just going to read a little bit about how God talks about this fish god. Um, it's portrayed, um, I think the Bible is really the only source on this because a lot of the history of the Philistines is just lost to history. But the idea is that the Dagon is the primary God of the Philistines. So we have first Samuel five, when the Philistines captured the Ark of God, the Philistines captured the Ark of the covenant and they've brought it back to their, their land. Um, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. So they took, I think it's interesting that it doesn't actually say a statue of Dagon. They're, it's capitalized. They're talking about it like really inhabits. Yeah. Yeah. This, this house, the house of mm-hmm. Dagon set it up beside Dagon um, and when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. But when they rose early on the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the Ark of the Lord and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. This right. is the end of Dagon worship in history. Nobody worships Dagon again after this. Um, yeah. The 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 chapter and the account goes on to even more thoroughly humiliate the Philistines. Um, we talked over- about it on a different episode, but I I think I think what it's saying next is that it gave him hemorrhoids. So <laughs> that's my favorite interpretation of the type of of tumors. Uh, some people pointed out that it's the same as hemorrhoids. All so. right, let's get back. Mermaids, mermaids. Okay, so that's our first merman god. Our second one is Triton, son of Poseidon. And Triton is very dragonish. He's got a, a great big dragon tail. I think we have a picture of another piece of pottery. Yep. Um, this is a famous um, piece of art of, of uh, Triton wrestling Hercules or Heracles. Um, but it's this tail is massive and triton is the character who gets really 
we still see him popping up from time to time, right? Triton as as the father of of Ariel in The Little Mermaid, Triton as the brother of Aquaman. <clears throat> Triton in SpongeBob, right? Or is that <laughs> Neptune? I can never remember. I haven't seen SpongeBob. I think it's Neptune. Never mind. Okay. Um, so yeah, cu- couple 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 uh, merman gods. And then we get to The Odyssey by Homer. Um, very famous epic, epic poem. And and the thing with Homer's work is that it used to be thought of as completely fictional, completely fictional. And then we discovered that actually parts of it are true. And then we have to say, okay, well now how much, how much of it is true? Um, Troy this, was thought to be fictional for a very, very yes. long time. Yeah. yeah. So there's this story. Um, I think it's in book 19. Don't quote me on that one. Of, of the Odyssey where they are they are about to go through waters that they know are infested with sirens. And so Odysseus instructs all his sailors to put beeswax wax in their ears because no man has ever heard the siren song and lived. But Odysseus, he wants to hear it. So he says, tie me to the mast and whatever I say until we're out of out of the waters, um, don't don't listen to me. But he wants to tie me up, tie me up. Let me at him. Let me at him. That kind of thing. (laughs) Hold me back. Yeah. I mean, the idea is that he's going to desperately want to go down himself because of the siren song, but he wants to hear it. And so he's like, tie me up and don't let me don't let me off um, no matter what I say. Um, and fortunately, their their ears are so stuffed with beeswax they can't hear him or the sirens. So they get uh, they get everyone through and and survive. There's a similar <clears throat> story to this um, in the Argonautica by Apollonius, where they have to go through these same siren infect, infested waters. And in that particular story, they have a musician with them who basically drowns out the sirens' music with his own music, and that's how they survive. Right. Yep. Um, okay, another another story, another account is that Alexander the Great's sister, Thessalonike, um, when she found out he was dead, um, threw herself into the Aegean Sea to try to drown herself. And the gods were like, no, we don't really want you dead. So she becomes a mermaid. This is the first one that really looks like Ariel, and it looks like yeah. she's brushing her hair with a thingamajig. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, She's got th- 20. It's so. interesting because I, I think that there's there's so many of those, like the story grabs our imagination. The story has stuck around, mm-hmm. but the visuals belong to Renaissance paintings. So it's it's like so much of our visual of mermaids is defined by how the artists decide to portray these stories when they were t- depicting them. I mean, so is our idea of angels. Like the yeah. Bible has very detailed descriptions of certain angels, like six wings and eyes all yeah. over the place. And then it's like, what if they looked kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Androdyne and chubby and had uh, floating circles around their head. Um, Which is actually, no, nowhere in the Bible. Real quick. Can you go back to the very first image we showed of the Greek sirens? Yeah. Are these sirens? Are these? If you saw this for the first time, what would you think? Oh, I, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but I 100% this looks like Renaissance angel artwork. Yes. Yeah. But they're sirens. Exactly. Well, I've made a point before that I think a lot of the depictions of angels are very much the opposite of that. Yes. Uh, when we look at, especially the idea of a sun disc, which I just brought up, is like Egyptian god stuff and not, yeah. uh, not yeah. biblical angel stuff. Yes. For sure. Okay. Um, back 
back to our place here. Thessaloniki's story is not the only ancient mermaid story where a woman tries to drown herself out of grief because a man died, but she fails to die and becomes a mermaid instead. And this kind of goes to the the, the Russian conception that they are the ghosts of drowned women. Mm. So this is part of the myth that has really persisted across time and space. <laughs> Does that does that Russian concept tie back into the Enoch stuff or I think so. We we can discuss it all at the okay. end, I think. Um Okay. So obviously we all know the little mermaid story. I couldn't get by without talking about it. Um and we all know that the Disney version, I think I think we're all aware that it's it's inspired by the Hans Christian Andersen story, but that it's very different. What I don't think most people know is exactly what the Hans Christian Andersen story is or what it entails. So in that story, Ariel does not get the prince. And I'm going to highlight a couple pieces. I'm going to read through a couple pieces that are really, I think, very interesting, especially in light of Enoch. Okay. So she's talking to her grandmother and she says she has she has already seen the prince. She's already very fascinated with the prince. She's already saved him. And she's asking her grandmother, if human beings are not drowned, asked the little mermaid, can they live forever? Do they never die as we do here in the sea? Yes, replied the old lady. They must also die. And their term of life is even shorter than ours. We sometimes live to 300 years. But when we cease to exist here, we only become the foam on the surface of the water. And we have not even a grave down here of those we love. We have not immortal souls. We shall never live again. But like the green seaweed, when once it has been cut off, we can never flourish more. Human beings, on the contrary, have a soul which lives forever, lives after the body has been turned to dust. It rises up through the clear, pure air beyond the glittering stars. As we rise out of the water and behold all the land of the earth, so do they rise to unknown and glorious regions which we shall never see. Why have not we an immortal soul? asked the little mermaid mournfully. I would give gladly all the hundreds of years that I have to live to be a human being for only one day and to have the hope of knowing the happiness of that glorious world above the stars. You must not think that, said the old woman. We feel ourselves to be much happier and much better off than human beings. So I shall die, said the little mermaid, and as foam of the sea I shall be driven about, never again to hear the music of the waves, or to see the pretty flowers, nor the red sun. Is there anything I can do to win an immortal soul? No, said the old woman, unless a man were to love you so much that you were more to him than his father or mother, and if all his thoughts and all his love were fixed upon you, and the priest placed his right hand in yours, and he promised to be true to you here and hereafter then his soul would glide into your body and you would obtain a share in the future happiness of mankind he would give a soul to you and retain his own as well but this can never happen your fish's tail which amongst us is considered so beautiful is thought on earth to be quite ugly they do not know any better and they think it necessary to have two stout props which they call legs in order to be handsome i got so many thoughts about that are you done reading this part um, or? that part yeah go ahead and comment on it Okay, so this is a blend of what uh, I'm trying to even think if it's in Corinthians or whatever. There's probably a few places in the New Testament. The two flesh becoming one, like yes. the, the two spirits commingling, mm -hmm. right? Mixing that with the idea that these actually are Nephilim beings, that these are 
things that don't have eternal souls. Like yes. again, demons in the Enochian conception is that they were an abomination and their soul is not able to leave this plane of existence. And that's why they yes. wander around and they inhabit things or they uh, possess people. They're unclean spirits, right? Yes. So this idea of mixing an unclean spirit with a clean spirit to, to try to like trick uh, the Nephilim tricking their way into heaven. This is very interesting stuff. I had no idea that Hans Christian yeah. Andersen's Little Mermaid was so interesting in that yeah. way. This is Nephilim shit. It's, it's, which this is what I it think, comes, that's what it sounds like to me. I think that two becoming one flesh and two souls becoming intermingled is also why in Enoch, the women who slept with the angels were also trapped. Right. And were denied their eternal souls because they bound their souls to, through to sex the fallen angels. To the fallen angels. Wow. Yeah. And we can talk, we can talk about it more and we will talk about it more. Um, kind of as we, at the end, kind of pull everything together and make it make sense. Okay. But we get down to the end of the Hans Christian Andersen version. And basically, um, her bargain with a sea witch is such that if the prince doesn't choose her, she's going to die. And the only way she can get out of it is if she kills him. Um, and she refuses to. And, and so as she is, as she's dying... Um, the daughters of the air come down to her. Um, and I guess these are just air spirits. I don't, I can't really tell you what they are in the story. They just show up at the end and I'm like, wait, what, what who are you? But they say to her among the daughters of the air, a mermaid has not an immortal soul, nor can she obtain one unless she wins the love of a human being on the power of another hangs her eternal destiny. But the daughters of the air, although they do not possess an eternal an immortal soul can by their good deeds procure one for themselves. We fly to warm countries and cool the sultry air that destroys mankind with the pestilence. We carry the perfume of the flowers to spread health and restoration. After we have striven for 300 years to all the good in our power, we receive an immortal soul and take part in the happiness of mankind. You, poor little mermaid, have tried with your whole heart to do as we are doing. You have suffered and endured and raised yourself to the spirit world by your good deeds. And now by striving for 300 years in the same way, you may obtain an immortal soul. So she doesn't immediately get a soul, but she gets to become one of the air spirits who can then work for 300 years and then get an immortal soul. And that's her. So happy is that ending. the other type of sirens like the, the, the winged kind? The Maybe. Or maybe they're, they're supposed to be angels. I'm not. It feels more like they're supposed to be angels doing good deeds on Earth. But I, that part of the story is so that short. That part is very weird. And it's very weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because the rest of it, I can fit into a Christian theo theological understanding, even if it's skewed mm -hmm. and off and wrong, maybe. But like, it still comes back to things that are said, uh, mainly in the New Testament, about demons and yeah, the soul, you know, the flesh. That's I think it's also just wrong. Like it's wishful thinking. The idea that you can right. earn your way into an, an immortal soul is just wrong. No, I wasn't saying it's good theology. No, I'm just saying you can make the links back to. Yeah. Uh, a twisted the theological understanding. Yeah. So I'm not, yeah. I'm, uh, the spirits of the air thing is interesting. But then again, if it's all kind of like, can uh, can fallen angels and demons like earn their way back into heaven, that is kind yeah. of weird. Yeah. You know? So we kind of have Little Mermaidception here because Little Mermaid. Wait, what if, what if we're getting this all wrong? What if she doesn't have a soul because she's a ginger? Mm. Well, that's, I mean, that's so, the red hair is symbolic 
of her not having a soul, PJ. Well, also, it is literally symbolic of Nephilim who were like red haired. Yeah. So anyway. Also that. Um, okay. So th- the Little Mermaid Disney version is inspired by the Hans Christian Andersen version, which is very different. But the Hans Christian Andersen version story is inspired by a a much more ancient story called undine and his is very different from undine but it has a lot of the same bones and the same themes and here 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 are the similarities that the mermaid needed the love of a man to gain a soul that she had to make a bargain in in the case of undine she has to make a bargain with the man um and that while she lured him with lust, he had to remain faithful to her. And if he didn't, she would have to kill him. Um, and that once he sees her in the water in her real form, because she, she's she's out of the water, she's this beautiful woman. And then there comes a scene where she's she's plunged into the ocean and he goes to save her. And it's he's like, oh, this is a demon. Like he he sees her in her real form and realizes she's a demon. Um, and and abandons her and then goes on to marry another woman um, and she comes back and drowns him for being ah. unfaithful to her. Um, so it's classic mermaid stuff there. Classic mermaid stuff. Okay. So and the other that's idea the most that's, based version. It's like, oh, this is a demon. Yeah. Just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. But he's but she, but she's still he tries to move on. But but they've already been married he's already made vows to her um so he's already he's he's still tied to her and so she has access to him um through this fountain is how she she gets to him um the idea is that mer people can have access to any water that's in any way linked to the sea and that'll hmm. come back up later thank so you like electric biscuit for the super chat i have to go back to work but thanks for the episode can't wait to watch the rest later we'll see you later Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Okay. So some common themes that emerge across all these stories and legends, because I've only given you a couple. Um, the idea that that they're not, the mermaids are not restricted to the ocean. There's plenty of myths of them in fresh water. They seem to be able to influence um, anywhere water can go. Um, in the myths, sometimes they're beautiful. Sometimes they look like monsters. And there seems to be a, many myths where at first they're beautiful and then they turn out to be monsters. Um, and this is this is getting into those similarities to fairy lore where the fairies appear very, very beautiful um, and they make bargains um, and there are dark consequences, but they're but they're actually monstrous. And it's just this glamour they put they put on top. Mm hmm. I mean, you even see that in the Disney Little Mermaid. You see Ursula. She's literally using a glamour. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them are looking, looking like, looking like Ariel, and yeah, mm-hmm. and then Ariel using the magic for legs. <clears throat> it's it's a, all of the mermaid stories have this idea of of contracts and bargains with conditions and serious consequences for when the conditions are broken. Um, it's it, in the stories, the mermaids can only be kept on land via tricks and, and contracts. Um, and even then they, they never seem to permanently stay on land. They always are yanked back to the sea for one reason or another. And you even see this in, um, Aquaman with Aquaman's mom, the idea that she, um, is washed up on, 
on land and taken care of by this lighthouse keeper and they get married and she has Aquaman, but then she has to go and Aquaman grows up without a mom (laughs) because she goes back to the the sea. sea. It's the same story over and over and over again for thousands of years. Um, Yeah. Okay. The, this is one I, I tried to to separate out the ones that are myths and stories from the ones that are historical accounts, but this is one that kind of bridges the gap, and it's back to talking about the Melusine. This is the specific Melusine story about the specific mermaid Melusine named Starbuck. Named Starbuck. <laughs> um, so I first want to show you a bunch of Melusines on heraldry. So th- across Europe. We have a lot of different families that have her on their heraldry because they claim to be descended from her. They claim to share her blood in some way. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. So of are you saying a lot of royal families throughout the years have claimed Nephilim DNA? Weird, huh? There's a whole episode on that. We got to do it at some point. But yeah, like yes. royal family type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And how they intermarried to try to keep it, keep it pure, mm-hmm. keep the bloodline pure. What are they? What are they trying to keep pure in that bloodline? I wonder. So strange. Yeah. Um, yes. So similar story to the other stories that she she marries a human um, and she has this bargain with him that um, she's. Mm-hmm. That's just another thing that just is like popping out at me in all of these stories. It's not like here's a romance story between two mer people. Mm-hmm. Just like there's nothing about you know two angels. It's always this. It's the same Nephilim agenda. Yep. That we see over and over and over again in all these stories. It's it's like we talked about with the I, I brought up earlier, but like gargoyle gargoyle daddy dom romance, like all these things, which just like it's always a story about women having sex with demons in whatever form they come mm-hmm. in, whatever chimeric. Uh, you know, form they're in at that time. And this is like the opposite the where it's always it. women, d- demonic, you know, fallen angels or Nephilim type beings mm-hmm. luring men and having sex with men. Yes. It's the Nephilim agenda, but yeah. it's just the one that's not talked about as much as was the female, female side of chasing things. after the male. Yes. Um, so the story is that the bargain she has with him is that every Saturday, he leaves her alone. She can lock herself in a room. She can do whatever she wants. He's not going to bother her. He's not going to try to talk to her. He's not going to, you know. Um, so she has many kids with him in this story until um, he accidentally, kind of accidentally breaks this vow by kind of s- sneaking. Slipping and falling and, and having sex with another woman. <laughs> no. On accident. In the oh. story, he's like, he peeks through. He's like become convinced that she's cheating on him oh, okay. and he peeks through the keyhole and he sees her in the bathtub with the two two tails and he's like oh she's not cheating she's just a demon <laughs> but Whew, um, that was close yeah <laughs> but in this case he's been with her so long he's like i can get past it i can get past it um and, but then he accidentally like makes noise at the door or whatever, or the door falls open or something like that. And she realizes that he has been spying and he has seen her in her true form. So she flies out the window. So she, this one can fly. Yep. <laughs> Two-tailed and can fly. Um, so an interesting, an interesting like convergence of, like the mermaid story and then the two-tailed mermaid story and then the the siren 
can fly story. Yeah, I just find it so interesting that we keep coming back to like the concept of mermaids having the ability to fly and having yeah. wings and things like that. And that's strange. It's really strange. So for, for many years, um, various, um, I think it started in Luxembourg, but then the line spread out. Um, various people claimed her bloodline as their claim to the throne. And if, if there was some question mark whether or not they should have the throne, they would claim her bloodline and then they'd be like, I saw her. She came to me. Um, she was flying over the castle. This is a good omen. This is a sign that I'm supposed to be on the throne. Um, and I think the last and most notable one that we know of that claimed to be descended from her was Richard the Lionhearted. Mm. So that's cool. That's interesting. <laughs> but when Starbucks, um, Starbucks named themselves after Starbuck, a character from Moby Dick, but they chose as their imagery uh, Melusine. Um, they, they chose this idea from the heraldry they kind of mimicked the heraldry and it's been a minute since i've read moby dick do they talk about the melusine no in fact the only reference to coffee in moby dick is that like starbuck is like he wants coffee so bad he's like making it out of a dirty sock oh yeah that's, that's right yeah okay that makes <laughs> that's sense it. yeah yeah okay that's it yeah it's it's okay. actually a really gross reference i'm like why would you want but you your know coffee? what they couldn't possibly have named their their uh their place better because every time I've ever had black coffee from Starbucks, it tastes like someone filtered it through a sock <laughs> and burnt the living crap out of it. That's true. That's I, true. I have a theory about Starbucks. I'm sorry. I'll, let you, I'll get you, let you get back to it. But I have a theory about Starbucks. Starbucks tastes bad on purpose. And the reason it tastes bad on purpose is because then hipsters and people who think that spending more money always means more quality mm. can drink the bad coffee, lie to themselves, be like, I'm sophisticated because I like burnt sock coffee and you have an un uh you have a you don't have a palate like i have a palate my palate is much more sophisticated uh you plebeian and really they're just lying to themselves and and everybody else is drinking it going man i must not be sophisticated my palate says this takes like dirty sock just water <laughs> so anyway you can hate starbucks coffee I'm sorry a, a, a coffee company an incredibly powerful coffee company yeah. Um, has chosen for its its brand and for its imagery this like ocean melusine thing. The branding's really powerful, I think, mm -hmm. for a reason. Um, but over time, they have they have pulled back or zoomed in from from it clearly being a melusine and. The current, it's a little more obscure now. It's a little more obscure now. So that's interesting. You know what else is interesting? If you guys don't want to drink burnt uh, demonic sock water, uh, you guys could go over to northarrowcoffee.co and you could use Conspiracy 10 to get 10% off of some actual good coffee at a single origin. It is roast to order and 15% of every sale goes to pro-life causes. Uh, so again, it's not demonic uh, burnt sock coffee. Uh, that is the best endorsement I can give to North Arrow Coffee. So go to <laughs> northarrowcoffee.co, use code CONSPIRACY10. I wasn't even I wasn't even planning to do an ad read tonight, but I couldn't think of a uh, better it better place. It was too good. It's yep. too good. Um, we couldn't possibly hit such a good transition and not do it. Right. Okay, 
So we're into now mermaids in historical accounts. So we actually just <clears throat> talked about Pliny the Elder on your gold juice episode, but Pliny yep. the Elder was a, a Roman author, naturalist, natural philosopher, um, very, um, very respected, very, um, oh, cons- what, what? reputable is the word I was looking for. Right. So he wrote uh, an encyclopedia called the natural history. It's, it's quite long. It's the, ver- the, the copies I've had my hands on are many, many little volumes long. And um, he, he has entries on, on everything. It was the first encyclopedia that all the other encyclopedias are model modeled off off of. And he has, um, uh, one on the fish. He gets, he has a, a where, where am I? All my words going. Anyway. Um, so chapter, chapter four of his, his fish one um, is the forms of the tritons and the nereids, the forms of sea elephants. So tritons uh, refers to the, the mermen and the nereids refers to the mermaids in this conception. I'm not going to read this whole entry because it's pretty long, but I want you to get an idea of like how he's talking about the, these things. He's, he's very scientifically minded and he's reporting with honesty. Mm-hmm. Whether or not what he's saying is true is, is, is up for debate, but every, no one is like Pliny's full of shit. Everyone's like he's, he's doing his best. Right. Um, okay. A deputation of per- persons from Olisipo that had been sent for the purpose brought word to the Emperor Tiberius that a triton had been both seen and heard in a certain cavern blowing a conch shell and of the form under which they are usually represented. Nor yet is the figure generally attributed to the Nereids at all a fiction. He's saying it's not, it's not fictional. <laughs> They're, right. they're real. Only in them, the portion of the body that resembles the human figure is still rough all over with scales. So he's saying the only thing you've got wrong in your conceptions of mermaids is that the, f- the, f- the female the portion of the body is smooth and yeah, silky. It's scaly. And, yeah. Scaly. For one of these creatures was seen upon the same shores, and as it died, its plaintive murmurs were heard even by the inhabitants at a distance. The legatus of Gaul, too, wrote word to the late Emperor Augustus that a considerable number of Nereids had been found dead upon the seashore. I have, too, some distinguished informants of equestrian rank who state that they themselves once saw in the ocean of Gades a sea man which bore in every part of his body a perfect resemblance to a human being, and that during the night he would climb up into the ships upon which the side of the vessel where he was seated himself would instantly sink downward, as if he remained there any considerable time even to go underwater. So the idea that like he would try to get up on these boats and, and they'd immediately start to sink. Yeah. I've heard um, that concept before about yeah. um, mermaids. Yeah. Um, in the reign of the Emperor, Emperor Tiberius, a sub- subsidence of the ocean left exposed on the shores of an island which faces the province of Lugdunum, as many as 300 animals or more all at once, quite, quite marvelous for their varied shapes and enormous sizes, and no less a number upon the shores of the Santos. Among the rest were the elephants and rams, which last, however, had only a white spot to represent horns. So he, he, he just kind of casually transitions from talking about mermaids to talking about what he calls sea elephants. 
I love this because there's so much in history where we have these really respected people, whether it be Columbus, whether it be Pliny the Elder, mm -hmm. whether it be uh, the father of modern uh, chemistry. I can't remember his name. We talked to him on the Gold Juice episode as well. Oh, yeah. um, it's blank. I'm blanking on it right now. But my point is where... Uh, or even Herodotus or whatever. There's so many examples. We've got people who respect in every single aspect that is culturally acceptable to accept them in. And mm. then when they report things very matter-of-factly, like these are the reports I'm getting at my desk, here's the people, here's why I believe them, here's how many people have seen this thing, whether it's the New York Times in the 1800s, over 100 articles reporting finding giant bones. Mm -hmm. it, it just comes down to that can't be true, period. Therefore, it's stuff. not yeah. it's not this person's not credible. It's not that it's not possible or, or they can't give a reason why it's not possible. Just it, that cannot be mm -hmm. because I've been told that that's not a thing. The ape man in 1902 was a that can't be possible. And then we found out the silverback gorilla was the ape man. What Tarzan's based off of is yeah. Tarzan's a cryptid because the idea of ape men were cryptids the way that werewolves are today. Mm -hmm. And then they found the silverback gorilla in 1902 and they're just like, oh, ape men do exist. And now it's not a cryptid and now it's not a fairy tale or whatever. So that went from a, that can't be to a scientifically yes, accepted thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's an arrogance thing. The idea that we've discovered everything when we know that we haven't. Um, but we really do believe we've discovered everything. And the ocean mm -hmm. is the, the best example of thing that we haven't discovered. We know more about space than the ocean. Supposedly. Debatable. debatable but yes exactly <laughs> exactly right um so pliny is not the only one to record mermaids in this way um in the context of other animals that are that are that are known to be real but he's the earliest and the most notable but there are bestiaries that have that have mermaids in them it see it, it seemed <clears throat> that for a very long time it looks like kind of right up until the enlightenment um Mermaids were just accepted as, yep, these are real. These things so are real. They're very well documented. So we're giants and so many other things. Yeah. So we're yeah. dragons. Yeah. Every, it's, it's like we've, we've all forgotten that it wasn't like it was debated back then. And it wasn't just because they were stupid. Like they all knew it was real because they all knew somebody who had seen one. Mm -hmm. um, or they respected somebody who told them about one. So we go back to Christopher Columbus, um, and he's brought up, and I think it's he's brought up by everyone who talks about mermaids to debunk them because of what he says about them being uglier than the paintings, and right. and as as if that is like the nail on the coffin evidence that it was actually manatees, but they fail to bring Tilda up. Tilda Swinton is a manatee because she looks like a human being but uglier. <laughs> I guess so by this logic. <laughs> But but they but they conveniently ignore uh, people like Henry Hudson, who also reported in the same type of way to his, I think queen, king or queen at the time, mm -hmm. um, off he was sailing off the coast of Russia, and here is the the quote. It's a passage from the second voyage or employment of Master Henry Hudson for finding a passage to the East Indies by the northeast. Um, June 15th, 1608, latitude north, 75 degrees, um, seven, what is it? Minutes. Degrees and minutes. Okay. Yeah. This morning, one of the company looking overboard saw a mermaid and calling up some of the company's company to see her. One more came up. And by that time, she was come close to the ship's side, looking earnestly on the men. A little after a sea came and overturned her. 
from the navel upward her back and breasts were like a woman's as they say that saw her her body as big as one of us her skin very white and long hair and hanging down behind of color black in her going down they saw her her tail which was like the tail of a porpoise and speckled like a mackerel their names that saw her were thomas hillis and robert rayner that sounds exactly like the description of a manatee, hundred <laughs> percent. The black hair, the white skin, the breasts, all of it. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hearing manatee very clearly in this. Very passage. clearly. Yes. Exactly the same size as the men on the boat. <clears throat> um, yeah, I find I find Henry Hudson's e- account even better than than Columbus's in that it's so matter of fact. He's like. One of my guys called out and said he saw something. Another guy joined him. We have two witnesses now. Here are their names. This is exactly what they saw. This is exactly what their experience was. It's all very matter of fact and very detailed. Mm -hmm. But it's a manatee. Are we also supposed to believe that none of these sailors have ever seen a manatee ever? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. He obviously knew what a porpoise was. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to compare to make comparisons and that's the, the thing too they're making comparisons to things they know mm-hmm. columbus was like i have seen these paintings woman's not as be- the mermaid's not as beautiful as the paintings he's making comparison to a thing he hasn't seen before to yeah. a thing he has he's basically just saying look this mermaid's mid <laughs> it's mid you know? mermaid she's a mid mermaid it's kind of disappointing which yeah. is fu- which is funny too because if, if you're saying this is a rule 34 thing the only <laughs> reason he's seeing her is he's desperate to see a beautiful woman and then his reaction is eh. mid eh. Yeah. right <laughs> like, smash or pass probably pass probably know? pass yeah. just not that desperate yet like right. that doesn't make any sense no no <laughs> um and, and and in order to say in order to say that that everything that has ever been a mermaid is 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 a misunderstanding of manatees or whatever you'd have to explain how manatees inspired the type of stories that we have been telling for thousands of years that's the other thing right it's like if you're seeing manatees and going like oh this is this is a beautiful woman and like all this stuff comes out of that i i mean i don't think they're that desperate So drunk, he's telling a story we're, we're, we're never going to be able to forget or get out of the human psyche for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And also, everybody knows that manatees sing beautiful, beautiful songs, songs that lure men into the water. And yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's how you get past their, their weight, is how good <laughs> they are at singing. <laughs> like Susan Boyle. <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> to, and, and here's where I want to be fair, because I think this is where we starting to get into why people doubt it now or one of the reasons why belief started to break down mm-hmm. and this is thanks to pt barnum because uh, he faked one he made a big old deal in 1942 about how he had captured a mermaid in fiji he had a, he had a, a mummified you know mermaid that was captured in fiji when in reality what he had um was a three foot um thing where he had sewn uh, the the torso of a young monkey onto the tail of a fish. P.T. Barnum was a high-level Freemason, and I would not put it past (laughs) the whole thing 
of being this massive psyop. It's like giants and dwarves and oh, fake goodness. creatures and mermaids, and it's all and making fake. Them a joke. Yeah, and it really is around that time when everybody just stops believing. Like it, you know, it, it probably yeah. furthered people into not believing. Definitely giants. People were a hundred percent about the giants. Believe the giants. Were reading New York Times articles about the giants, yeah. and then P.T. Barnum's got a fake one. And now giants don't exist. Never existed ever. Yep. I, I'm, what not, a guy. I'm not trying to like go way off into like left field here, but like the idea that like intentional or not, that it was kind of a psyop that it, again, it doesn't have to be intentional for it to have psyoped people into being like, Oh, well, yes. this is fake. It's all fake. Yeah. And seeing how much money he made, other people did it. Other people faked it um, until there was a whole rash of fakes and, and, I think we we got to a level of population where a lot of people had never ever met anyone who had who had seen a real mermaid. The only people who were still seeing mermaids were just people who were sailing. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a lot more civilizations living farther inland, farther away from the sea, and I think we we just start to forget. Yeah. But we have so many, like aside from from the reputable um, accounts that I've shown, we have. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of just regular sailor accounts of mermaids Um, to the point where some people have tried to say, well, what if the accounts are code for something like they're they're looking for something aside from manatees because you're like, you you definitely have you definitely have. um, uh, People know what manatees are now. Yeah, they know you need another explanation and you still have sailors seeing them way too often. Even as technology progresses, they get glasses. Mm. Um, You tell them they're not real. They're still reporting them. And they're like, well, what if it's They have National Geographic so they can find out what anything in the ocean looks like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, well, what if it's code? What if mermaids in their reports are like code for we buried treasure here or... Or what if they're just seeing freaking mermaids? Drugs here, exactly. You're, you're you're still just like desperately grasping that's the for thing an explanation. Like, I think we kind of think because the belief went away, the sightings went away, but the sightings haven't gone away. It's no, just that haven't. nobody believes the people that say it anymore. Correct. And I think this is so interesting because we're we're going to get into some more recent stories in just a second. Mm-hmm. But um, ah, my brain. <laughs> Maybe you had I'll, another quote from Enoch. Is that where you wanted to go with this next? We we are going to go to that next. I was okay. I was uh, maybe it'll come maybe it'll come back to me. But yeah, well, you were saying oh, we oh, have oh, real sorry. sightings because yes. we're going to talk. We have videos of of a guy who's got real sightings yeah. coming up. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Mermaids are so different from things like the Loch Ness monster, right? Things like right. the sea monsters. It seems like there were a lot of sightings or a few sightings in the deep past, but we don't really see them anymore. We, we really don't have sightings anymore. They've whatever the creature was that was there died or whatever mm-hmm. happened. Right. That's not the case with mermaids. We are still getting mermaid accounts. If you're looking right, and like, even with giants, it's like we have evidence from bones, but we're not like seeing reports of giants so much, except the one in Kandahar, in Kandahar. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let's get back to, I'm actually going to skip the Enoch part for a second and save that for the end Um, and get into these more recent stories since we've already, we've already kind of poked them a little bit. So we have this story out of Zimbabwe from 2012. Um, This article is written by people who do not believe the story, but they still have to present the facts, which I think is fun and interesting. Mm -hmm. So, 
Um, I want to point at the headline. Zimbabwe mermaids appeased by traditional beer ritual. Because <laughs> that's not what happens. Um, Johannesburg, South Africa. A mermaid-plagued dam in Zimbabwe is up and working after tra- traditional healers brewed beer to appease the mischievous water spirits. The mermaids had harassed workers... I love those scare quotes. It's so much Sorry, fun. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> had harassed workers installing water pumps at a dam near the small town of Gokwi in northern Zimbabwe, according to local media reports. Water Resources Minister Samuel Sepepa... Nakomo told a Senate committee last week that work on the pumps at Gokwe Dam had stopped after terrified workers complained of machines breaking down under mysterious circumstances and blamed mermaids, the state-run Herald newspaper reported. So basically, this, this work at the dam broke down, and it was such a big deal that it goes to a Senate committee hearing, <laughs> and the government's like, what did we do? <laughs> Nakomo right. said... The same problem had been reported at Osborne Dam near Mutare in the country's in country in the country's east. He called for traditional rituals to be performed at the dams, including traditionally brewed beer to rid them of the mermaid menace. At Osborne Dam, divers had been sent down to investigate the cause of blockages in the pumps, but returned to the water surface, vowing to never go back down. The South African Press Association reported, we even hired whites. Thinking oh, that, damn. <laughs> they even hired the white devil, yeah. Quincy Orchard. Ah. Thinking that our boys did not want to work. But they also returned That's saying racist. They, they would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah the black boys were lazy. We hired but, whites because we didn't think that the black guys wanted to work. Wow. Okay. But the, yeah, but the whites also returned <laughs> saying they would not return to work there again. <clears throat> Nicomo told the Senate committee. The problem at Gokwe was reportedly solved late last week when the water ministry hired traditional healers to conduct rituals. The traditional leaders held a ceremony in which they slaughtered cattle and brewed beer to appease the water spirits. Quote, I do not believe in mermaids, but the community that lives in the area does, Nakomo said, according to the SAPA. According to Voice of America, belief in mermaids persists among some Zimbabweans, though many are skeptical of such claims. Quote, mermaids are supposedly mythological water creatures with a female body and the tail of a fish. Those tales were mostly in circulation hundreds of years ago, but stories continue to make their rounds in Zimbabwe, VOA said. I think so did, the, did the mermaids go away? Did it work? It worked. Yeah, they appeased they appeased them. They appeased yeah demons with with beer and blood. That's that's not just mermaids. That's like all demonic lore. I love how they they thought that the Zimbabweans were just full of shit, and then they brought in the whites, and the whites were like, "Oh no 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 no, I'm not going down there again." Yeah. And then they're like, "Okay, guess we got to do this ritual." And then they're like, yeah, but they're still full of shit. <laughs> it's like, yes, everybody that went down below there said they believe in mermaids now. And yes, doing a demonic uh, sacrifice type ritual to appease these things worked. Fixed it. But <laughs> that's insane. It's insane. That's insane. It's insane. It's like, that's a government. <laughs> it's the government of Zimbabwe doing yeah. that. Here's another recent, um, recent story. And I do... I'll, I find this very compelling and I'll, I'll give you all the reasons why, 
but this is a a fisherman in the nantucket area he he fishes off um i don't know where exactly he lives but he fishes off the coast of massachusetts um, well, rhode, rhode island i believe rhode island yeah all, all that area i mean whenever they go out they well i think that's where he lives um, okay yeah pretty sure yeah um but he he's Quahog fishing out in that area. In one, of the, the, one interview I heard with him, he said Quahog, which is Rhode Quahog. Island, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I think it is. And then I heard I heard Nantucket for like where <clears throat> they were actually off the coast fishing. That is what he's, yeah, that's what he said. Um, Which that's the second reference to Moby Dick in, in this. You know, I, I once knew a man from Nantucket. Yeah? Never mind. <laughs> Never up. heard that before. <laughs> he went to hell in a bucket. Yeah, anyway. Nantucket's on my bucket list. Speaking of Nantucket and buckets. Um, <laughs> all right. So this this is a, a, an account called Sauce 90. That's what he goes by, is Sauce 90. Um, and uh, this is the first one. Wait, that Quahog wins. doesn't exist? He said he said the word Quahog when I was listening to his freaking interview. Uh, maybe I just misunderstood what he was saying. I thought he was saying he was from Quahog. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't maybe mean to cut you off. I don't but know. Yeah. Anyway. He's a fisherman. Um, okay. This is this is the first video he put up that went super duper viral. This is a repost of it because his account, an original account was banned. Mm. So yeah, here we go. So us 90. And we just out here. We're chilling. We're out here chilling. I hear it. I hear Where's she at? What the fuck is that noise, bro? What is that noise? Where are you? That's crazy. Oh, it's still going. I thought it was restarted. Okay. Okay. I got thoughts on this. Oh, go for it. Well, because I know what the claims are against it. Mm-hmm. It's that it's either he added in the sound afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not possible. Like, it is, but it's not. And I'll tell you why. Because what he's filming on his phone is a bunch of sounds of machinery and boats and water churning in his voice. And if you add a sound on top of another sound that's not originally there that's not mixed in you it's very it's so easy to tell that's why you when when you record music you can't just like record your vocals over top of something that's why karaoke sounds different than like a mix Mm -hmm. in a studio where they have all of them layered on top of each other you can't just take that music add in vocals or add in another sound without it sounding separated from the rest of the mix yeah so that's that's either that's happening live and then the only other claim is that it's like through the boat speakers, but that I don't, I, I don't know. I, I tend be to believe this guy. Um, I don't think, it, I don't know if it was directly to address um, disbelievers or if it was just what he decided to do. Mm-hmm. But um, later on he did, he went live when he started to hear yeah. these things, he went live on TikTok. Um, and, and here's, we have a replay 
of one of those lives. But people people who watched the lives knew that they were hearing things live as he recorded it. Right. So then you the can't boat. you can't have the whole like he added it. this in yeah. post thing. Right. Right. Okay. Let's check this one out. This Can is again, you hear me? <laughs> Yo, that shit was instantaneous, bro. Oh, I gotta watch my step out here, man. God damn. Where are you? Oh, that's over here. Wait, no, now it's there. Okay. Dang. <laughs> yeah. So that's from a live. Um, and, and that's a replay. But but there are, it's one of those like, if someone's like, you never went live. People would be saying, you're right, lying right, right. about. But his somebody, account was banned. Somebody recorded that from live. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's reposting things because his account was taken down. Yeah. Um. It's wild. He 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 posted a few things and went super viral. Was very well known uh, for all this stuff, and then he disappeared for a long time. And people were like, "They got him. <laughs> the mermaids mm-hmm. got him." Um, and then they found out that he had been in a very very diff- you know, rough car accident, and it just took him a long time to to recover and get better and um, right. come back. And uh, he did come back. He he's he's tried to take some photos. He he fully um, recognizes that they are not great photos. <laughs> they're blurry photos. They're blurry. That's how you know they're real. <laughs> um, this is this is one. We it, you don't have to play the TikTok because the TikTok's just it's just the photo. Just the oh, photo. Yeah, you're right. It's just the photo. But this is this is what he's got. I, my understanding is this is the best he has. You can kind of see something that looks like a tail behind <clears> her, and it's kind of glowy and blurry. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting that that it would present glowy on a camera, and it right. kind of matches that Henry Hudson con- concept of it being very very white skin mm-hmm. um, and black hair. Right. It's kind of a blob. Take it for what it is, but this is what he's 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 like. This is the best I got, you guys. And he he's his attitude has very been, much been like. I'm going to share it. You can believe it. I don't care. Um, mm-hmm. This is what my experience has been. Um, and then there are times where people will be like, why haven't you posted mermaids in a while? And he'll be like, because I haven't heard them in a while. I don't have anything. So he's not like. Tr- it, it the signals- temptation would be to continually make continually the fake videos it. for the, the money and the fame yeah. and stuff like that. If, but if it's only happening when it happens. Then That's going to be sporadic, posted. right? So it's not going to be all the time. Yeah. Um, so he did very recently. He did a. Um, he went on Blurry Creatures and did a, mm-hmm. did a episode. It was on November twenty one. It's just a couple months ago. The episode's called "I Hear Mermaids." Um, it's very interesting. I I uh, suggest checking. That was it the out. only bit of research I did for this episode because you're the one who does the research for this episode. Yeah. And the only thing I listened to was in is his interview and. Uh, it's good. I mean, check it's it out, good. guys. Yeah, Larry yeah. Creatures did a great job. Um, I was pretty convinced by this guy's story and, and watching the TikToks and the the fact that it's coming from lives and stuff like that. Yeah, 
Because that's well, the other thing. Because we didn't even bring up the sound. Like these are people who know what everything in the ocean sounds like. Mm-hmm. And there's again, this is the internet age. Is there anything that we can find that sounds like that mm-hmm. in the ocean? Yeah. Um, he talks in, in that interview and you, you can catch it on one of his live replays. If you go look at his account on TikTok, um, where the end, Noah, which we referenced earlier, randomly selected his boat after he had already gone viral for this stuff, after he was already known for this stuff, Noah randomly selects the boat he's on for their observer program. They come on the boat, they bring a bunch of equipment and, um, <coughs> he talks about it on live. I, I don't know if he's able to show it on live or if they tell him not to. I'm not sure. But the idea is that they set up a bunch of equipment on, on his boat and they were trying to find what he was talking about, but like sneakily and pretending that that's not what they were doing. So I want to show you um, this uh, page from Noah where it is. It, uh, it's from Noah.gov and it's explaining what the North Pacific Observer Program is. Um, and it goes into like what it is, why it is. The idea is that they are going to go on to these boats and they're not specifically inspecting what you're doing so much as using you and your equipment and your everything to collect data on the fish and the stuff to make sure. Why does this the- sound so fishy in the first place? Like you've got like legitimate. Yeah. I'm sorry. You it's, can- no, it's sus as fuck. Is this cutting you off what you were about to say? Because. No, go for it. Like you have millions and millions of dollars of equipment and government funding and you can't afford a freaking boat. Yeah. Like you, the you boat's not the expensive boats? part of the, uh, like yeah. I know, I know people who do all the fishing stuff and it's like the boat. I'm not saying it's cheap, but the gear is more expensive than the boat. Always, almost yes. always at least. And it, with what Noah's using, it's certainly more expensive than the boat, but then the government can just co-opt your boat and be like, we're, Taking We're your coming boat. on to be observers because we couldn't possibly buy a damn boat to keep <laughs> our stuff on. So I want to read this um, this this part at the end. This is referencing exactly the category that Sauce 90's boat falls into, and, <clears throat> and um, it's the observer trip selection pool. This category applies to catcher vessels of any length fishing with trawl gear and to hook and line and pot gear vessels that are greater than or equal to 40 feet LOA. Vessel owners or operators whose vessel is in this selection pool are required to log each fishing trip into ODDS. On logging your trip, you will be immediately informed if the trip has been randomly selected for observer coverage. If the logged fishing trip is selected, then the vessel must take an observer on that trip. The observer will be provided by an observer provider contracted by NOAA Fisheries. Vessel owners or operators in this pool must log fishing trips at least 72 hours before anticipated departure. This is weird. It is. It's, it's, it's what it looks like to me is that they're like, this is the type of fishing operation that is the most whatever it's pulling the most stuff it's, mm-hmm. it's getting the most it's going to the right areas and it's not freaking out the mermaids mm. they're they're willing to come near this vessel in these areas and we know because of tiktok or whatever other intel we have so whenever mm-hmm. this this boat logs a trip to where we want to go we can just hop on it 
But don't Just worry. Right on it. There's no evidence of mermaids, according to Noah, and they're definitely not uh, here to observe you, co-opt your boat, and use it to find mermaids. They're definitely not doing that. Definitely not. So freaking weird. Definitely dude. not. There's a couple more things that Sauce 90 has said that just really got to me. Um, the one that was the most is that he said, uh, especially when he first started hearing the songs, mm-hmm. the song really got to him. Um, and he would, when even when he first heard it, that pull to like go right into the water was there. And it was like, he knew it was so cold. Like he's got all of this knowledge about like why you should definitely not jump in the water. And he's still thinking, I want to jump in the water. Yeah. And he said he couldn't get it out of his head. Even when he was back on land um, and in his house, he, he would take a shower and he would hear it. We got to talk about that part because I knew this was coming up. So you said something earlier on that was like, I don't remember if it was in the Hans Christian Andersen or in the other story. So it's in a couple of them. Yeah. It's in a couple stories. Where it's like, not only the mermaids control the sea, but they can use puddles of water, water. pools of water as some type of portal device. And then when you when I listen to his interview and he's like, yeah, I'm in my shower and I'm hearing mermaids. <laughs> That's insane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not even sure he understood that that linked back to like... Yeah. We've talked about it plenty of times. People were bringing it up in the, in the mentions earlier. Water, pools of water in every occult religion, mythology, occult magic is mm. po- is used for portaling. It is a step into the other world type mm-hmm. thing. It's talked about over and over and over and over and over again. That's why we talk about the bathtub rituals with things like Matthew Perry and, yeah. and uh, I don't even know, Whitney Turner and tons and tons and tons of people. Uh, recently, Aaron Carter last year and his sister was like, what, two weeks ago died in her bathtub. So... Uh, there's something weird there about something. portal stuff. It's in all the yeah. music videos. So when I hear, hey, I heard the siren song. It made me want to step into the water. And then I got in my shower and I was hearing it again. That that really jumps out at me. Yeah. It's like, this is something otherworldly. This is something supernatural. It's not just an evolutionary divergence of humanity. And it's mm-hmm. not just in people's uh, minds because they saw a, a manatee and were attracted to it. Like mm-hmm. there's something actually supernatural going on here. Yeah. So let's get back to, speaking of supernatural, let's get back to, to Enoch. So okay. I wanted to point out about this Enoch verse, and I'm going to read it again, um, and then I want to compare it to another verse in the actual Bible. So I'll read this passage from Enoch again, Enoch 19. And Uriel said to me, here shall stand the angels who have connected themselves with women, and their spirits, assuming many different forms, are defiling mankind, and shall lead them astray into sacrificing to demons." Remember that line that the, mm-hmm. the point of this was that they were leading mankind astray to sacrificing to demons as gods. Here shall they stand till the day of the great judgment in which they shall be judged till they are made an end of. And the women also of the angels who went astray shall become sirens. This seems to echo first Corinthians ten twenty, um, and start in verse 18. Look at the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices partners in the altar? Am I saying that idols or food sacrificed to them amount to anything? No. I mean that what the pagans sacrifice is to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot take part in the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or are we trying to provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we really stronger than he is? 
So th- there's this whole discussion in, in multiple pieces of the New Testament about meat that's been sacrificed to idols, mm-hmm. meat that's been sacrificed to demons. And it's, it's um, the idea like, is it okay to eat it? After it's because they w- it would be sacrificed to idols and it would be sold in the marketplace. Is it okay to eat it? Then um, the idea is like if you're saved, then yeah, you can eat it, but you you need to not be participating in the sacrifice um, in in the ritual. That like there's a way to buy it and eat it without participating in the ritual. You're just eating meat that's God's meat. You know they 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 don't own it. But um, this idea of the, the, the sacrifice to demons is, is in Enoch and also in First Corinthians. Right, yeah. And then we're seeing them do it in Zimbabwe. <laughs> right? Okay. Right, exactly. exactly. I, don't mean to, I don't mean to keep derailing you, but Ambrosia Sims said something that has okay. my mind turning, so I'm going to get a little unhinged for a minute. All right. So she says, uh, mermaids are how Nephilim bloodlines came back. We have talked about this concept, and people have debated this for a long time, of yep. where the second incursion comes from. Yep. Because we know, according to Enoch, we know according to Second Peter, and we know according to Jude and other sources, that the punishment for the, net, for the, for the watchers was so severe that they were locked up in Tartarus. It's the worst punishment imaginable that no other fallen angel would ever attempt to do this again because the punishment is so severe. Mm-hmm. And then the earth is flooded to cleanse the world of the Nephilim. I imagine mermaids are not that afraid of a flood, right? So this is so interesting because it's just making me think like we also talked about earlier. This is where I'm going to get a little unhinged. Like this is a very interesting theory because we talked about how earlier the Hans Christian Andersen and the earlier tale of Ariel, the little mermaid, whatever you want to call it, uh, was that there was a soul connection. And the soul connection seems to be what Enoch is telling us is why these women who were not daughters of angels but connected to angels through sex through sex yep became nephilim themselves or a form of it right and i yeah. have just been racking my like i think rob skiba's um theory on the bloodline coming through um ham and we've talked about things like uh, uh what are epigenetics and stuff yeah. like that and, yeah. and nimrod becoming a nephilim because that's that's always been such an interesting thing to right. me. it says nimrod became a nephilim i have to question now did Nimrod sleep with a mermaid and become a I'm, I'm right? going a little off the rails here, but like I just thought I that was know. so interesting. I'm literally just spitballing stuff based on what we're talking about, and it's probably all crap, but like, I don't know. It's interesting because the second incursion stuff is so interesting. In Genesis 6, it tells us right there yeah. there was Nephilim in that time and there was Nephilim after the flood. Yeah. And then there's tons of references to it throughout the Bible. So, like, there is always interesting conversations going on around a second incursion. Was the bloodline carried through Ham's wife? That seems to be yeah. a, a main theory. It's one I've mostly subscribed to, but I'm always up for like sh- shooting out new theories when it comes to this. So what was Goliath? What nationality was Goliath? Philistine. Yeah. Who do they worship? Yeah. Dagon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See? <laughs> yeah. It's right there. Yeah. That's wild. Good Some job, interesting Sims. Stuff. Good job. Good job, Sims, for pointing that out. Um, anyway, sorry. Yes. Get back so to you. <laughs> there's this whole theory, kind of back to that idea that... The flood, the implications of the flood are that it, it kills every living thing on the face of the earth, but not in the ocean. Like, 
you 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 can picture that the upheaval in the ocean would certainly have killed a bunch of things, right? And and we see it in the fossil record. We see a lot of um, evidence of aquatic life that was killed in the flood. But the the idea that that things could survive um, that were evil um, mm. is certainly, and I think that there's this this knowledge in I think all of us kind of know it that if there's anything evil on the earth, it's in the ocean. I yeah, hundred percent. Any any horrifying creature is probably hiding in the water. Mm. Um, and there's there's a there's kind of an ancient theory, and it needs it needs a whole episode. Um, but I'll just mention it briefly that the theory that the ocean is the demonic realm, that, um, things like the beast comes out of the water in revelation or that when Jesus casts the demons into the pigs, the pigs immediately run off a cliff into the water. Um, the idea that just, there's a lot more going on in the ocean and that it, that it is the demonic realm, that it is the underworld, um, in a lot of ways. It would also make sense of the symbolism of Jesus walking on the water. It really does elevate that, doesn't it? Yeah. <sighs> okay. And I, I, sorry, one more, one last thing that it makes me think of too, because again, this is all occult magics believe this. And we've talked about it and seen the symbolism over and over and over again. Water is a portal. What, what is, if mm. water is connected, if the deep oceans are connected to the underworld, I can imagine why we watch Constantine and he gets into a bathtub to transport himself to hell, which is literally the scene in the movie. Right. So it's interesting. Interesting. But I think you're right. It deserves a whole episode. So I want to just like it does say that and move on. But yeah. So I do. I do want to kind of conclude with with the following thoughts. Um, This section here. It seems like. Right around the Enlightenment, I think it's because we all kind of agreed that certain things didn't exist, that that the spiritual wasn't real. Humanity just stopped believing in a lot of things, and a lot of things fade out of our understanding and conception around that time. Mermaids, fairies, um, all of it kind of seems to fade out then, and a veil goes up, and now it seems like the veil's coming back down again. And there's what I would say programming around, I think we're watching in every single realm where there's something that the veil's coming down on, there's programming around it. There's programming around aliens, there's programming around mm-hmm. around demonic things, witchcraft, all of this <clears throat> stuff. And there's certainly programming around mermaids. So I want to show you a couple things. One of them is the rise in popularity of, th- there have been mermaid human mermaid performers for quite some time since the sixties, but they've become really popular on TikTok, And I want to just show you one. I walked across the empty land. I knew the pathway like the back of a hand. I felt the earth beneath my feet. Sat by the river and it yeah okay what stands out to you about that video what stands out to me about the video mm-hmm. uh just all the little girls all that are like kids. standing there like this is the most amazing thing in the world yeah. right mermaids are real I've, right. I've seen one with my right. two eyes yeah 
Yeah. Um, this this particular mermaid uh, performer has over two million followers on TikTok. She's mm-hmm. not she's not small. <laughs> um, so that's really visceral. Slightly and prettier than a sea cow. A little prettier than a sea cow. <laughs> she's she's all right. <laughs> she's all right. Um, another, I think, type type of programming we're getting is aquatic ape theory, where we're getting this argument from evolution where they're trying to they're trying to crack open a door a little bit to say, you know, may, maybe mermaids are real. I mean, we've only explored eighty percent of the ocean. Maybe they are. Maybe there was there were some um, missing link humans. You know, not quite human, not quite ape, but they they kind of stayed close to the water and they kind of evolved back down into the water. So they're humanoid and they have a lot of that genetic material, but they but they go back to being fish. Yeah, I. You, you okay? So we had this conversation off air um, a little bit about how it seems like there's belief that's connected to the thinning of the veil or to yes. to, the, to the to the power that these things have, and we saw through things like the Enlightenment and through uh, Darwinian evolutionary theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just on. I don't. I think it might have came out today. But me and Dennis had a really interesting conversation about this on a on a, his show. That okay. I, I don't know if it's out yet. Or I'll put it in Discord when it comes out. Okay, but. My theory was basically that uh, Christians for the last 150 plus years have been filtering their conversations through Marx and through Darwin without realizing it. And anyway, my point in, in, in all that is to say that Jonathan Kahn has this really interesting theory that I've talked about before, which is like the phases of taking a Christian nation, emptying it of a God, and then filling it with demons is essentially mm-hmm. the parable he gives. And... I think that they're trying to bring back the supernatural belief into people. They had to make people atheists first and they succeeded Mm -hmm. overwhelmingly in this country and in the West. Mm -hmm. And now we see the belief. Like, I don't think anybody's really an atheist anymore. Everybody that was an atheist is now a new ager and they're believing in uh, the, the Pleiadians or whatever demonic gods that they're serving. And I think that's why that they're controlling these narratives. Cause it's like, Anyway, my point in saying all that is I can see them using that atheistic reference that they already kind of fell into to like rid the country of a, of a Christian belief. And now it's definitely what they're they're using to try to explain greys. They're using it to mm-hmm. explain, obviously, mermaids and uh, giants and whatever else. They're kind of like fitting it into their Darwinian evolutionary theories. Yep. Yep. Because they're having to wreck it. My point in saying that is they have to recognize that it's real again because they need the belief back. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is right there in, and I think part of it is they're bringing specific belief back by putting it into things like Marvel movies you see in in Wakanda Forever. I think, I think a lot of us stopped paying attention to to Marvel a little while ago, but they're still saying really interesting things. After Endgame, because everything I've watched since then has been a massive disappointment. I I enjoyed Wakanda Forever just because there was so much interesting shit from from this perspective on it but there's this whole group of people who the storyline with them is that they um are in trouble and they find this plant that allows them to breathe underwater and so they go to the ocean and they go and they 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 live in the ocean Mm -hmm. and and they have this whole society down there it's not it's not atlantis but it it very much looks like it and it seems like between between marvel and dc both because we got a new aquaman movie just last week or something like that um uh just 
this idea that there are whole realms of people living in the ocean is just just mainstream being shoved in our faces again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Jimmy Corsetti pointed out too. One of the newest, biggest video games that came out had a picture of Atlantis, the the mm-hmm. Eye of the Sahara, like right in the trailer. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's definitely some Atlantis imagery that's coming back into the mainstream. Yeah. Now, here is the weirdest piece of this for me, and I haven't really made sense of it yet, but can you go back to the Mami Wata real quick? I can. There we go. Of all of the mermaid stories, this one is gender fluid. Hmm. Um, she can I appear- noticed that about a lot of African mythology. There's a lot of gender fluidity that I didn't realize was there until mm-hmm. recently. I'm reading the book American Gods, and whenever it talks about the Africa stuff, it's like there's a lot of gender fluid stuff in it and, and the Native American stuff. Right. Yeah. Particularly with their – it's it's funny because you have the transgender crowd trying to say that they think gender is fluid, that Africans think gender mm. is fluid, and that's not the case, but their gods are. Well, Their spirit beings are. That's and that's not even relative to just Africa, but yeah, ex- exactly. Well, yeah, that's the case. Ishtar, with Ishtar was Ishtar worship. Fluid. Yeah, and that's Mesopotamian from like six thousand years ago. Right, right, exactly. Um, but this is the this is the only mermaid character that um, seems to th- that I found in, in my research that seems to be specifically specifically gender fluid. Um, there is a sculpture. I want to show you by a lady named Eve Shepard. Yeah, I got that. One second. There it is. Um, it's called um, Person of the Sea. And it kind of has this. How old is this? Not old. Okay, go ahead. Last 10 years. Okay. Um, kind of has this siren conception with the wings. Mm-hmm. Um, androgynous. Um, Person of the Sea is a sculpture by Eve Shepard commissioned by Royal Museum's Greenwich. The sculpture was created after Shepard spent two years working with trans and gender diverse youth at Mermaids UK. And Mermaids UK is the biggest organization in the world that is legally advocating for trans kids specifically transing children it is everything about mermaids uk is about transing children this is almost baphomet like in its gender fluid fallen angel imagery Mm -hmm. like it really is but it's it's even kind of more disturbing when you realize it's about children yeah yeah i i wanted to throw this in at the end because i'm not sure i can completely make it make sense with everything else but there does appear to be a reason why Mermaids UK chose that imagery. The first thing that jumped out to me was the fact that there are two DNA strands connecting in the center of the chest. Mm. Which is that a reference to the mixing of DNA and, and Nephilim imagery that's all over this? Yeah. Because it's, it's not one strand. Look, they both two. end it, and yeah. then diverge right here at the heart. Mm-hmm. So I know that. Uh, let me see if I can zoom up on that for people. There we yeah, go. Yeah, it's it's. 
That's wild. This is after two years of her working with Mermaids UK. Hmm. She makes this piece. Yeah, that is weird. It is. It is. There's there's something, I think, in the symbology of mermaids, at least as this organization understands it, that is speaking to this. Yeah. This whole um, transgender craze and whatever runs underneath it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, I, I think a lot of people point out that the transgender craze is that they're trying to get back to their gender fluid, you know, fallen angel right. heritage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So last thing is if mermaids are real, what, what exactly are they? So one, one, one thi- one option is that they are as described in Enoch powerful type of demon that is able to be more physical. You, your typical demons are the spirit, the disembodied spirits of the children of these women. Yes. Um, and but but the sirens, according to Enoch, are the women who are kind of physical, kind of kind of not that that Russian conception of like maybe they're physical women, but maybe they're just the ghosts of them trying to pull men to their deaths. They well, seem to be very goes, it, it also is kind of like what we've learned about angels and, and stuff mm. over the years. It's like they're not fully here right like they're they're not fully physical but they're not entirely spiritual they can do physical things right yeah yeah and it seems like in in all of the stories the best of the mermaids the best they are ever able to do um the ones that are that are not bad uh try try to to have some sort of romance with a human but it always fails it's never forever. It never accomplishes what they want. And it usually involves one or both of them dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the first conception. And that's the one I'm definitely leaning toward. But one other that has been brought up by um, another guy who's been on been on Blurry Creatures recently. I think it, I think the episode is, has mermaids in the title you can find. I can't remember what his name is. but he, It's not that long ago. It's like within yeah. the last two months. And I, I, I wouldn't even necessarily highly recommend <clears throat> that episode. I think that there's a bunch of bullshit in it. But one thing that he brought up that I liked was the idea that mermaids are shapeshifters in the same way that skinwalkers are. That they um, are the product of dark rituals. And I think mm-hmm. that both of these things can be true. That That some of the mermaids, or most of them, would be as described in Enoch, but maybe there's a way that that new ones are created. He, I think he says both, but yeah, he does. He yeah, does. I don't. I again, I haven't listened to the whole episode, but there's definitely things he says that I'm not sure where he's getting from, and I'm not in agreement with him on. Right. Um, but yeah, that concept of like there being maybe more than one way of creating mermaids, the Skinwalker type way, the initial incursion type way, uh, the, Enoch, the Enoch version. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both can be true. Right. But yeah, I mean, people were asking in chat, are mermaids yes or real? I think we, we just kind of like started the episode with, yes, mermaids are real. Here's why. Yeah, um, basically. That's, <laughs> I yes. mean, yeah, that's what I, that's what I started off with, with the belief. I, I, I start off with the idea that if, if something is in every culture across history, if, if a story persists like that mm. um, and everyone is talking about it the same way without reference to each other, then I would be an idiot not to at least start with the idea that there's some truth there that I need to find to start from like, how can I explain this away? I don't think is a good way to do research in, 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 in any instance. Right. Um, and then, and then I think that there are, there's a third type. So 
the women as described in Enoch, shapeshifters that were human and then go over. And then I think there's the ones that like Dagon um, that are that are fallen angels who are who are presenting in fish presenting bodies. in that way. OK, yeah, yeah. Um, OK, that is just about it. The only the last thing I wanted to say is that, that there are some boxes behind me. They're stacking up because people are getting stuff from my baby registry and I will be opening them all live on February 3rd at 7 p.m. Eastern. You guys are all invited to my baby shower gender reveal situation. (laughs) 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 So, yes, the end. I I have my fingers crossed for a frog slash frog self baby. Okay. Um, But you you can hope for that. I can. It's fine. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, got to be very forward thinking. It's 2024 now. I mean, I mean, it 20, it, as woke and progressive as you think people were in 2023, that's the past. That's the past. That's outdated modes of thinking. We have I to mean, add like nine more letters to the LGBTQAIP2 plus Q community. As a conservative, I feel like I have to preserve the conser- the, the the things of 2023 of the past, and the, <laughs> and the things of the past, and only are- the things from like five minutes ago. <laughs> Yeah, frog, yeah. frog self, the conservative case for uh, neo pronouns. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep, the conservative case for neo pronouns because it happened in the past, even though it was five seconds ago. Yes, yep. correct. So love it. All right, we don't have any five star reviews to read. So if you guys want to support the show for free, the you? best thing you can do is go over and rate us on iTunes, give us a five star review, and we will read it on the show. Honestly, uh, you can rate us anywhere. Just let us know. We'll shout you out. Uh, yeah. Spotify is another one that it helps. Anywhere helps because that's what brings us up in the rankings. That's what gets our shot in front of more people. Mm. Uh, honestly, just sharing it, um, sharing our, our rumble and things like that. Uh, we all appreciate that a lot. We will be back tomorrow night with Unhinged. So if you want to get that, come over to conspiracypill.locals.com. Support the show that way for five bucks a month. It's not that expensive. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you're here watching live on rumble, we'll be shutting off, uh, YouTube and some of that other stuff. We're just going to be talking to people over on, uh, rumble here in just a minute. So stick around. Uh, anything else to say, Abby? Yeah. What are you talking about tomorrow night? I don't know. <laughs> I have, no, I have things that I'm pulling I threads things, on, I but promise. I don't, I don't have the show title. Let me put it that got way. Got it. Got it. Okay. I have things I'm going to talk about. It might end up being two stories that i want to talk about it depends on how much it, it'll it'll be it'll be a couple of things but um i'll just give you guys this much we're gonna talk at least in part about the epstein news this week okay solid so for sure we're gonna be talking about that epstein leak from yesterday uh plus probably some other stuff so okay. uh check that out uh if you're if you're watching live or if you're watching anywhere else come over to rumble we'll see you guys in just a few seconds having a great night god bless Bye.